Thank you for listening to episode four of 20 Questions on the Tall, Friendly, Atheist Ad podcast. In honor of International Women's Day, I have the absolute pleasure of playing 20 Questions with Clancy Amos McGuinness. I hope you enjoy. Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. I hope you're having a great day and welcome to the tall, friendly atheist dad podcast. Good evening. This is Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. Uh, This is episode four of 20 questions and it is my absolute pleasure to welcome Clancy Amos McGuinness. Clancy, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Damien. Thanks for inviting me. That's all right, and thank you. Thank you for taking the time to, to talk to me. Now, I'm sorry, I, I get confused between Clancy and Clancy because um, I don't know if you can hear from my weird accent. I'm originally from Adelaide, and so yeah. I will say things like chants and dance and plants and castle and, you know, that really weird. Um, so even though I live in Melbourne, um yeah people look at me funny when i say chance it's like well where are you from i'm from a place that speaks um which by the way you're uh, if you want to tell me more about yourself because i think you're from uh from the apple isle uh, i do currently live on the apple isle i've been living in um tasmania for about 12 years yes um, i currently live in hobart but i'm actually originally from sydney Ah, so okay. Yep. I'm I'm an import from Sydney. Um, yep. grew up in Sydney and also on the south coast of New South Wales, and and went for uh, went to Wollongong University to do okay. my bachelor's degree. Yeah. Okay, your bachelor's in nursing. So ah, so you are yes. a nurse. So you are a nurse by trade. I am a nurse by trade. I've been a nurse for twenty three years. Wow. And That's... um, yes. I before that I was actually a I was studying a chemical technology, training mm-hmm. to be a lab technician. Yep. Originally, I wanted to be a forensic pathologist. Okay, that's a, that's an interesting uh, diversion. Yeah, and I sort of wanted to do science but didn't get into the degree I wanted, so I ended up doing chemical technology and mm-hmm. then sort of discovered while I was doing that that I hated working in labs. Um, really? Okay. So, and, and decided that probably... It would be more, more fun to do stuff with live people than dead people. <laughs> okay, that's... and instead switched to nursing and uh, never actually looked back. But I had really? quite an interesting experience while I was doing chemical technology because yes. um, our department was actually run by a bunch of Seventh Day Adventists. Really, and how did that affect uh, the, <laughs> the, the the environment? If I can ask, it was very curious. We had a we had a um, lecturer the yes. chemical technology, who is obsessed with the internal combustion engine for some reason. Yes. And he had been an ex-Polish Jew. Oh, okay. And had, had, moved to, had moved to Australia with his parents when he was only a baby after the war, had mm-hmm. actually been in Auschwitz and oh. um, had then converted to become a Seventh-day Adventist. 
that is that is very interesting, Clancy. He was an interesting man. He was a walking example of how not to do chemistry. He, so, he so, was covered in scars. Oh, okay. So I suppose it's the question of uh, the, the old adage of those who can't do teach. Pretty much, yeah. He, <laughs> he, he was basically, you know, would, would show us an experiment and say, don't do this at home, and then almost blow himself up. So, the yeah. The best, best kind of teacher. <laughs> Excellent. Anyway, Clancy, let's get in. Let's get into the game. Uh, 20, 20 questions. So I'm going to ask you twenty sets of questions, including a lightning round, with a brief discussion afterwards. You will have up to two minutes per question and one extra minute if you're really getting into your answer. I will not interfere or challenge with your answers, though I may ask supplemental questions to elicit more information. Please don't ask me the same question back because you are the guest. The last five questions will be on religion, for which I will relax the time for those questions. Clancy Amos McGuinness, are you ready? I am ready. Okay, question number one. Uh, where on the political spectrum do you sit or which political party do you closest identify with? Go. Um, I'm pretty left-wing, so mm-hmm. um, I would call myself a democratic socialist Yep. or a socialist democrat, depending on how you want to spin it. Sure. Um, my mum was a, a hardcore Labor voter, so um, Whitlam basically came into power um, when I was a baby and yeah. she was um, so impressed with him that she went to sign up to vote. Wow. So, so um, yes, so for I those grew who up may, on Whitlam. For, the, for those who may not be familiar, Whitlam was uh, early 70s, mid-1970s. Yes. Which is, how right. far, which is how far back we're going. That's right. So, yes, I, I am 47. Oh, okay, um, I wasn't, wasn't going to ask you your age, but that's... Uh, <laughs> That's right. I'm cool. I'm not, I'm not too far from forty seven from forty seven uh, uh, myself. So it's all good. So I was pretty much raised to be a Labor supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing about that is my great grandfather was actually a founding member of uh, what is now the National Party, um, which used to be called the Australian Country Party. Yep, yeah, yeah. So going back, a bit we here, have yeah. an interesting history of politics in my family. Do indeed. So I suppose the question <laughs> is, why wouldn't you vote for the, the Liberal Liberal National Party? Because they're evil and should be destroyed no (laughs) well actually yes i do believe that (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, look i uh, i'm very much uh, a social justice warrior and i Mm -hmm. don't believe that liberal party um values support uh a human view of the world and a humanist Mm -hmm. view of the world yeah i think that they're basically in it for themselves and how much money they can make and they don't really care about people and those people who aren't able to make money okay if i can play devil's advocate for a second uh would you not say that about uh certain members of the labor the labor slash left side as well that they're in it for themselves though they're oh, presenting absolutely. though they're presenting an alternate view absolutely which is why i'm no longer currently member of the labor party because i got okay. very disillusioned by okay. those people who were just out for power no so what would bring you back to the labor party um, probably if they went a bit more to the left and were concentrating mm-hmm. more on social justice and social values, went back to a principle of um, uh, universal health care, mm-hmm. universal education, took back all of the um, infrastructure into public hands and provided things like um, telecommunication and water and electricity and... Um, infrastructure. So basically, so basically, the end of pri- privatization. Basically, 
in privatisation. I think privatisation is the biggest mistake that Australia has made in the Mm. last 30 or 40 years. That's an interesting perspective and one I I kind of uh, agree with there. So question two, if I was an immigrant to your country, what three pieces of advice would you give me? Oh, okay. Um, Don't lose your language. Mm -hmm. Celebrate it. Mm -hmm. Um. Oh, I don't know. You've got one minute 45 left. That's you, a tough if... one. Um, relax. Yeah. I think a lot of immigrants take things way too seriously and they actually uh, are aiming for the destination and not the journey. Um, I have a lot of friends who have immigrated from various parts of the world mm-hmm. and sometimes I think that they forget that um, part of being an Australian is actually uh, sitting back and enjoying yourself a little bit. Okay, that's interesting. And if I can ask, in Hobart, is there a large refugee population or, or immigrant population in, in Tasmania? There, look, there is starting to be. It's actually a really weird place to live after you've been, you've grown up in Sydney because I grew up in a place that where I was surrounded by people from various countries and cultures and my school was really a multicultural melting pot. Yeah. Uh, coming to, to Hobart was very weird because most of the places I saw were white. Yeah, yeah. And it was actually unusual for me to see someone who was not, whereas in Sydney, because I was surrounded by people from different cultures all the time, it wasn't yeah. you got shocking mm-hmm. in any way. But when you see someone here, especially if they're um, obviously from a Muslim country or they're from uh, 30 Sudan seconds and, left. Yep. Yep, they're very black you actually stop and go, oh, wow, cool. But there's more There's more here than there were. We've got a lot mm-hmm. of uh, larger refugee population now from the Sudan. Good. Um, so it's, it's starting to open up a bit, which is a good thing. No, good. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much for that, Clancy. And I'll, I'll then go on to question, question uh, three. What were you doing five years ago? Five years ago? Um, five years ago. Let's see, about this time five years ago, I was competing in burlesque idol. Really? Yeah, I performed burlesque. And I think mm-hmm. this about this time I also met my ex-partner, I think. No, how did you get yeah, into burlesque? Right. How, how did you get into burlesque? Because I can't say I've spoken to too many burlesque competitors. Ah. I, I would love to know more about that. Okay, cool. So um I moved to Hobart probably about eight years ago now, okay, and yeah. I didn't know very many people here. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd recently lost a lot of weight and was feeling a bit strange about myself. Yeah. And someone told me about burlesque dancing and I looked into it and I thought it was fascinating and a really good way of, I suppose, rediscovering my sexuality and learning how to be in my body. Yeah. And... So it's, almost Otherwise, a, so it's almost a body positivity thing. It's very much a body positivity thing. Lots mm-hmm. of women who do burlesque, it's about the body positivity. It's also about taking charge of your own sexuality and your own body. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, I think, see it as an objectification. Yep. But, in fact, we are the ones consenting to that objectification. So, True. in a way, we're taking control of that for ourselves and we're yep. the ones who are giving permission for people to look at us. That's a very interesting, 
Yeah, no, that's, that's a very interesting way of putting it, a very affirming way of putting it. Um, I'll skip over the 10 years. What were you doing 20 years ago? I would have just started nursing. I think I was working at the transplant unit at Royal Prince Alfred Hospital in Sydney. Yep. Um, so I worked in the liver and renal transplant unit. Yes. So, yeah, that would have been then. Mm-hmm. Okay, keep going. I'll, I'll give you an extra minute. Um, yep. And I think I was living in a two-bedroom flat with my partner in Petersham. Mm-hmm. Um, what else would I have been doing? That's probably yeah. <laughs> that was probably mostly what I was doing. No, fair enough. Okay, well, thank you, thank you very much for that. Okay, I'll lead on to question five, and I'll, I might change it because of your occupation. Mm-hmm. Descri- describe your uh, sorry, describe your ideal job, or, or or what would you change about your job right now to make it ideal? Okay, well, I'm I'm actually. Studying at the moment for Masters of Clinical Nursing and Teaching because I would like to teach nursing. Yep. Um, but I also like to be hands-on, so I like patient contact. So probably my ideal job would be something regarding patient education. Yep. Um, I'd like to travel a little bit more with that and, um, you know, possibly work in a slightly more challenging environment than I am now. Um, mm-hmm. So probably be a combination of teaching to 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 um, other nurses but also to patients mm-hmm. Yep. and um, hopefully um, driving clinical reforms as well. So I'm very into um, trying to improve systems to deliver better results in patient care and um, make things a bit more egalitarian and accessible. No, it's I don't know if you That's know okay. much about Tassie at the moment, oh, but please, our please, health please. system is very so- stressed. Okay, and what, why do you say that? In what way? For someone who's obviously not in Tasmania and hasn't been there for a very, very, very long time, I would like you to elaborate on that. Um, well, basically the guts were ripped out of it a few years ago. They, they cut lots and lots of services and they reorganised um, how things were delivered. A lot of staff were cut. Um, we've just had um, the hospitals being basically rebuilt and new sections built to it. Mm-hmm but they haven't actually provided the staff to staff it because they just can't find them. So Hobart, Royal Hobart Hospital is in constant bed block at the moment and it's um, a pretty sad situation. And part of it is that they just can't get people to work here. Oh, okay. So so you're saying that the distance or the isolation is a factor? I don't actually think that's the case. I think it's more the fact that they don't pay very well. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and it's just just the way things are structured. Uh, it's not very friendly. Okay, that's a, that's a, uh, for that's people a very, to come here. Okay, that's a very thoughtful answer. Okay, I'll go on to question five. Question five: Describe your most gruesome and/or painful injury. And I'm going to give you some slack. Describe the most gruesome or painful injury you've seen. Ooh, okay, that's a better one. Okay, I haven't really had any gruesome or painful injuries. Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, but. Let's see. Well, I've had a couple of really good ones. Um, I did used to work in the emergency department, so I saw a few nice ones there. A couple of degloving injuries from oh. motorbike accidents. And as a motorbike rider myself, I, I wince when you when you say I know exactly what degloving is, and as a motorbike rider, I <laughs> I, I, I wince. Yep. I was aware of the fact that you're a motorbike rider. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've seen a couple of nasty ones like that, where basically the entire flesh was torn off someone's leg. 
Yep. Um, yep. I've also had a fellow who um, put his arm through a wood chipper um, yep. and had to have his whole arm reconstructed. Um, wow. I what, had, what will be involved in a reconstruction? Well, essentially he had about 20 or 30 fractures in his arm. Oh, yikes, yep. So they actually had to piece it back together like it was a jigsaw puzzle and put yep, little yep. pins in to hold the bones together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then sew all the flesh back together and graft a bit as well because he'd lost chunks of flesh. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they had to put what's called a, a external fixation device on his arm. So he basically had a cage uh, around yeah, yeah. his arm with little pins trying to hold all the bits together. Yeah, yeah. Was he able to get back to, to full use of his arm? He was, amazingly that, enough. That is amazing. That is how far, yeah, medical technology has come and, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, I've seen, uh, I did because I worked in an orthopaedics unit, so that was pretty spectacular. I also yep. had um, probably one of my most fascinating ones was when I worked in intensive care unit. Yeah, you got 10 I seconds. had a fellow. Yep. Yeah, yep. I had a fellow who had a open heart surgery mm-hmm. and he developed a, an infection in the chest cavity. Yeah, yeah. And they had to leave it open. Oh. And um, I was having to pack his chest cavity with normal saline gauze every day. Oh, this is this is this is great dinner time conversation, Clancy. <laughs> well it was it was it was the first time I had to do it was pretty fascinating because um I had I was sort of basically left up to do it by myself and and he was all hooked up to the monitor and he was intubated but he was conscious. Yeah. And I had to take all the packing out. And, of course, all the monitors were going off their heads because I was putting my hand inside his chest and interfering with the signal. And so (laughs) one of my colleagues had to keep turning the alarm off for me. So I'm asking the patient, you know, are you all right, mate? Picking my thumb up to say he's fine. (laughs) (laughs) While the monitor's saying that he's having a flat line. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, wow, that is um, the 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 things you get involved with in nursing. Excellent. I'll I'll move on to question six. Describe your thoughts on the possibility of extraterrestrial life. Well, I think... Or basically, do aliens exist? Yeah, I think it's more possible than God existing, that's for sure. Okay. Um, Explain your thoughts on that. Well, I think there's such a multitude of different planets and galaxies and stars Mm -hmm. out there, most of which we probably haven't even discovered yet. Yep. That it's unlikely that none of them would have the possibility of having life. Okay. And right. I guess it depends on how you define life. Like it doesn't need to be intelligent life. No, no, no. Um, even if it's just silicon-based one-cell organisms or something yep. like that. Yep. No I think it's definitely more probable. Um, okay. And the fact that we've arisen once suggests that Probably it could happen again. There may have been other civilizations that arose on other planets before we even existed. Yeah. Okay, because I don't know if you've heard the first uh, some previous episodes of Twenty Questions, but what I've noticed that is that those with a with a, Christ, a, a Protestant Christian uh, theology will say that uh, extraterrestrial life is impossible uh, or, or or next to next to no chance because of theological reasons. Uh, what would you say to that? Well, I'd say that the. <laughs> The fact that they can try and believe in a being that supposedly created a universe that had no beginning himself mm-hmm. sort of counts them out of the equation. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very pretty, much. For your... Pretty much. Yeah. No. That's a, that's a well, thank you for your thought, thoughtful answer there. 
And for that, I'm going to go on to question seven. Tell us a comically bad or tragic holiday experience. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I haven't actually been on a lot of holidays, Mm -hmm. but probably the worst one I had was not long after I'd started nursing and a couple of my gay friends persuaded me to come to Bali with them. Yes. Um, And I'd never been there before. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, they went there a couple of days before I got there and saw all the stuff that I wanted to see before I had a chance to go. Okay. Yep. And all they wanted to do was go shopping and eat food in an expat Aussie uh, drag queen bar. Oh, Um, okay. They actually have those over there. They Well, they did. So it was actually run run by an ex-Aussie drag queen. Okay, and... I've, never, I've never actually been to Bali, so I've heard all the stories. And, and ironically, my wife is from Indonesia, but I've never actually been to Bali. Uh, well, I wanted to go because I wanted to explore the Indonesian culture. That's, yep, that yep, was yep. the main reason I wanted to go. So I was very disappointed to be stuck in Legian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. The, the, know, the, the of... Australian part, yeah. Yeah, in a resort and... Um, Basically, yeah, people just wanted to sell me stuff that I didn't actually want to buy. Okay. Um, and my friends insisted on taking us going to the same restaurant each time and the same bar each time. And uh, so it was a little bit... It was like <laughs> holidaying in Sydney. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Um, well, part of the problem was I was a single girl at the time and I was hanging out with gay friends and all they wanted to do was go to gay mm. bars and all I wanted to do was get laid. <laughs> So it was a very disappointing holiday for me. And then on top of that, I developed uh, a tropical ear infection. Oh, dear. Yep. And barley belly. So I was oh, basically... Yes. I've had the barley belly. I know. Up in my room. I know you're talking <laughs> I was held up in my room for about five days oh, in geez. agony. Okay. No, mine only lasted for a couple of days, but I know exactly where you're coming from there. <laughs> well, part of the funny thing about it was the only... The only station I could get on the television where they spoke English was MTV. Oh, in that case, actually, it's funny you say that because if you go through my previous episodes, um, Lessons from Life Number One, I talk about that very that very exact thing. So uh, I'll let you listen to that. I'll let you listen to that afterwards. But yeah, I'll move on to question. I'll, I'll, I'll move on to question eight, which is lame claim to fame. Either name the most obscure celebrity you've met, or name a celebrity who is a distant relative. I have a few actually, um, oh, but you've got two minutes. Go, yep. I once I used to be on a radio program in Sydney called Two SCR FM Kid Stuff many okay. years ago when I was about fourteen. Yep. And I got to interview Mem Fox. What? I, oh, Australian childhood legend. Absolutely, Possum <laughs> Magic, and yep. and the funny thing about it was that she'd actually been listening to the show while we've been recording. Hmm. And I'd read a story that I'd written out on the show and she yeah, yeah. started interviewing me. <gasps> okay, that's that was a great day there. It was a good day. So I would say that was one of my tops, but I've also met a couple of former Australian prime ministers. Okay, um, do you get to name any names? Uh, Bob Hawke, Paul yeah. Keating, Hawk, Hawk, um, yep, yep. Tony Abbott, yep. uh, Johnny Howard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I also met Kim Beasley. Oh, yeah, um, Bomber, yep. And Bob Carr, who's the Premier of New South Wales yep, at one yep, stage, yep, and Morris yep. Yemma. Wow. A couple of others. Fair enough. Um, I'll move on to, I'll move on to the, part, the second part of the question. Name a famous person who has interacted with you on social media. Oh, um, James S.A. Corey. 
Have you seen The Expanse by any chance? No, I haven't. Sorry, no. Okay. Actually, no, sorry, yeah. I've, heard, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, so um, excellent science fiction series of books. Mm-hmm. Um, James S.A. Corey is actually two people, but um, they interacted with me on my Twitter account and um, follow my Twitter account. Okay. Have you been blocked by any celebrities? Oh, not that I know of. Oh, okay. No, okay. Possibly. <laughs> you wouldn't know until you go to follow them. I wouldn't know until I tried to do something. <laughs> okay. No, cool. All right, excellent. Well, in that case, your time is has yep, uh, you had two seconds to spare, so I'm going to move on to the lightning round. Now, I have modified, as per our uh, chat earlier this morning, I have modified the lightning round a little bit. So um, I do hope you you appreciate the effort I've gone to make it a bit more a bit more personal <laughs> for you. Uh, Clancy, your time starts now. Tea or coffee? Coffee, but then tea. Okay. Pizza or lasagna? Lasagna. Apple or Samsung? Samsung. Ebook or actual book? Oh, my local bookshop owner would make me say real book. Okay. But real I book. actually am really enjoying ebooks because you can read them anywhere. You can indeed. Uh, sneakers or thongs? Sneakers, definitely. Day at the beach or day hiking up a mountain? <laughs> can I say neither? You, you um, can, day you at can. the beach. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, stay up late and sleep in or early to bed and early to rise? Oh, God, 20 years ago, I would have said the former, but now I'm old, I'd say the latter. I'm with you 110%. Uh, how do you like your eggs? Fried, scrambled, poached, or in a cake? Poached. Star Wars or Star Trek? Definitely the Trek. Okay, Battlestar Galactica or, Battlestar Galactica or Babylon 5? Babylon 5. X-Files or the Twilight Zone? Oh, um, I don't know. Um, probably Twilight Zone. Okay. Doctor Who or Red Dwarf? Oh, no, no. You're making that too difficult. <laughs> Thank All you. Right, I have to say Doctor Who because I grew up on Doctor Who. Okay. Picard, ver- like Picard versus Kirk. Oh, definitely Picard. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, who would win? Weeping Angels from Doctor Who or Xenomorph Queen from Alien? Weeping Angels. Darth Vader or The Terminator? Oh, Darth Vader. Okay. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, Agent Smith or Howl 9000? Mm, I think the former is the men in black. Cur- uh, the, the Matrix. The Matrix. Oh. Um, Played by what was Guy the Pierce. second one? Uh, Howl 9000 from 2001 no. Space Odyssey. The, the evil um, computer. Yeah, I'll go Howl. Okay. Uh, Predator or the tripods from War of the Worlds? Ah, <laughs> the tripods. Oh, okay. Uh, interesting there. Okay. Uh, John Howard or Bob Hawke? Oh, definitely Bob Hawke. Bob Brown or Jackie Lambie? Bob Brown. Andrew Bolt or Andrew Wilkie? <laughs> Andrew Wilkie. <laughs> Paul Keating or Peter Costello? Oh, God, definitely Paul Keating. Kevin or Julia? Julia! Tony Abbott eating an onion or Kevin Rudd eating earwax? <laughs> Kevin Rudd. Okay. Julia, I will not be lectured to by this man. Or Gough Whitlam, may God save the Queen because nothing will save the Governor General. I'm going to have to say Julia again. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the Clash or The Who? The Who. Cindy Lauper or Blondie? Cindy Lauper. Billy Idol or Billy Joel? Idol. Aerosmith or The Rolling Stones? Oh, I don't like either of them. Oh, okay. Uh, Ario Speedwagon or Electric Light, Electric Light Orchestra? 
Yeah, electric orchestra. Should Western Australia secede, yes or no? No. Should Tasmania secede, yes or no? Definitely not. Should Northern Queensland secede, yes or no? Yeah, probably. Okay. Um, and that's uh, – your time's up. Okay, well, Glancy, thank you, for, thank you very much for playing the lightning round and hopefully I tried – hopefully you were slightly stumped by some of those questions. Uh, a couple of them. Okay, no, fair enough. Okay, uh, question 10. If one of your favourite bands or artists called you up on stage to play with them, what band would it be? What instrument are you playing with them? And assuming you had the requisite talent right there and then, what song would you be playing with them in front of the crowd? Oh, okay. I actually thought about this one. Hey, I've always wanted to learn to play the cello. Yep. Um, I used to play the violin, but always wanted to play the cello. Okay, yeah, yep. Are you there, Clancy? They're if you've heard them. No, sorry, um, sorry. But I, I would I, like I, to be. I, I would like to be in a threesome with the two cellos. No, no. Um, could I get you to repeat your answer again? Because after you said that you used to play violin, you cut out. So oh, okay. After you said you played violin, you want to play the cello and go. So there's there's a band called called Two um, Cellos. Two cellos or yep, two men do, with cellos. Yep. Who who do covers of popular songs? Yep. They do covers of popular songs. So I want to be in a threesome with the two cello men. Nice. And I would probably play something by Sting. And I'm thinking either um, Fields of Gold or Mm -hmm. uh, Moon Over Bourbon Street. Interesting. Okay. Uh, When you say two cellos, uh, the most popular video I've seen of theirs was when they they did Thunderstruck by ACDC. They did. And I've actually done a burlesque performance to that song where I had a two-minute long orgasm. That is excellent dinner time conversation. <laughs> Thank you very much, <laughs> no, Okay, the, the, the more you know. Uh, question 11. What conspiracy theory or theories do you think are either completely true or have enough elements of truth to warrant questioning the official narrative? Well, it's not a conspiracy theory if it's true. Uh, <laughs> no, but... It's just true. <laughs> yep. Um... But what would an outsider call a conspiracy theory that, you know, you would say, yeah, no, that's not a theory. That's not, you know, false. That's actually legit. I, well, look, I'm not sure. I think probably Murdoch trying to rig things with Donald Trump okay. is probably not just a theory. I think he probably actually did try and do it. Okay, are we talking about in the recent election or the 2016 election? The 2016 election. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. No worries. Um, what, what, what would you point to? So let's say, you know, you come to a, a, a sceptic or a pro-Murdoch, uh, you know, puppet, let's say. Uh, what would you say to convince them that Murdoch was trying to get Trump the election? Oh, well, the fact, the fact that they pushed him so much in the media mm-hmm. and they discounted all of the the left-wing views and the the Democrats and basically, you know, everything that the Democrats tried to do to counter Trump Mm -hmm. was poo-pooed by the Murdoch-owned press and all of the media um, who who was owned by Murdoch were basically lifting up Trump. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think you can't get anything more clear than that okay because to to play devil's advocate um being friends on being on twitter with uh with friends from america you have some who are on the other side who will then say that cnn nbc all these other news outlets were so anti-trump that it was biased what would you say to that 
No, I think they were just pointing out the truth. Okay. That's, I mean, that's what media is meant to do, isn't it? They're meant to hold a balanced research viewpoint. Correct. And they were just pointing out the stuff that Trump was actually doing that was completely documented and supported by evidence. Uh, mm-hmm. I suppose the question then is at what stage does, does reporting against a certain figure become biased versus uh, a balanced, nuanced uh, piece of journalism? Like for you, where would that line be? Um. When they refuse to actually report facts mm-hmm. and they just report opinion, which yep. is what they were doing. Or reporting opinion as facts. Well, yeah, exactly. Reporting opinion as facts. Okay. And, no. dis- and discounting discounting um, views that were supported by facts. Yeah, yeah. Just because they were opposing the view that they wanted to push. Indeed. That's, a, that's an interesting, interesting, uh, interesting look at it. Okay, I'll move on to question question 12. If you had the ear of your prime minister or premier, what single one and only one rule, policy, or law would you want them to change right there and then? Make the universal healthcare a thing again Mm -hmm. um, and defund all private hospitals and private health. Okay. And why why is that? Because they're just in it for the profit. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't provide good care. I think they've stuffed up our health system and a lot of the problems that we're having now yep. are de- directly related to the government uh, essentially giving our public funds to private organisations to provide a less than ideal Stella. service. Yeah, okay. That's a, that's a very well thought out answer. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, question 13. What stereotype of your culture is sadly true? That we're racist. Okay, yeah. Pretty much. Um, I think, unfortunately, uh, especially in places like Tasmania where we're a little bit rural and not as exposed to other mm-hmm. cultures, yeah, yep. people do hold very bigoted racist views. Oh, okay. That's And where, where has that been uh, expressed or, or felt, do you think? Oh, look, I come across it quite a lot, you know, yeah. and, and people who basically really? lump certain people from certain cultures or, or countries in with a stereotype. Okay. So, so, know, if you, yeah. so, so if you had someone who was, who was uh, spousing bigoted views in front of you, let's say about a, a, a lady of definite African appearance, what would you say to that person to change their I mind about that? challenge them and yep. ask them if they actually know the person. Yep. Before they're questioning, you know, their values and beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um. And ask them, you know, how would they feel if they were in the same position in another person's country? Yeah, yep. And I suppose I can, I can, I suppose we can both speak from experience. It's like you know, being in being in Indonesia, for example, where you are, like where there's not many white people. Um, yeah, you would feel that uh, feeling of alienation. Um, yeah. And Absolutely. To, Look, to, I've, to I've subjects- been in a. I've Sorry. actually been in a couple of situations where that's been true. Oh, really? Um, okay. I've, I've actually had a, a partner who was from Nigeria. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he took me to meet his family um, mm-hmm. one day and his sister-in-law's mother and sister had come to visit from Nigeria. Nice. They didn't speak a word of English. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I didn't speak any Edu, which was what the language uh, yeah. they were speaking. Yeah, and, yeah. And um, I've was like sitting there thinking to myself, here's this group of people all speaking another language, which I can't understand a word of. Yeah. This must be how people feel when they come to Australia, to Australia. and they're yeah. placed in the same situation. 
Yep. So I'll give you an extra minute because um, one of the stereotypes that I get about uh, Tasmania and Hobart in particular is that it's the bogan capital of Australia. Ooh, how, I, how, how true is that? I wouldn't say Hobart is the bogan capital of oh, Australia. Really? Okay. I'd, yeah, no, you're more likely to go a bit north for that. So oh, I'd so, say, so, I'd say Burnie. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Burnie's definitely the bogan. And that's, you know, where our, our friend Jackie's from. Yes, yes, um, yes. So I'd say uh, Burnie probably is more of the bogan capital. Hobart okay. is actually very... Cosmopolitan. Cosmopolitan, especially mm-hmm. now that we've got Mona here and we get lots of yeah, international yeah. visits. Yes, yeah. I've, heard, I've heard lots of good things about Mona and uh, I'd love to visit one day. Uh, excellent. Okay. Thank you very much for that, that Clancy. Uh, question 14 is the ethical dilemma question. Uh, yep. It is different from the previous one. So if you've prepped yourself on the previous episodes, um, your research has gone to waste. Uh, bear with me as it is a bit of a long one. You are part of a four-person four mining crew. The mine collapses and all four of you are trapped. One of your crew is half trapped under rocks and is immobile. You realize that there is only enough supplies to last one week for four people or two weeks for three people. And the average rescue time is one to two weeks. However, the trapped miner is also helping you perpetrate fraud above ground. The death of the trapped miner means you survive until rescue, but your fraud may be uncovered. Keeping the, trying to keep the trap miner alive risks, the pe- risks depleting the supplies for everyone before rescue teams reach you. What do you do and why? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, firstly, I wouldn't be in a mine and I wouldn't have committed fraud. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is why it's a hypothetical because... That's why you know, it's a hypothetical. Indeed. Um, so let's say you are part of a mining crew and you somehow get yourself trapped um, and the person who's trapped... Uh, with you and is, is closer closer to death than you are, is also helping you commit criminal activities above ground. If they die, wow. your criminal activities are found out. But if he doesn't die, you're not found out. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, if he's trapped in a mine and it's expected that you're going to have three weeks, I'd say the likelihood that he's going to die anyway is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're looking at the principle of, uh, utilitarianism. Yep, yep. I would say that we would have to let him die because he's not going to survive anyway. And mm-hmm. you're basically ruling him out, even if there wasn't the question of you being complicit in a fraud with his person. Okay, yep. So you could probably discount that. Yep. Um, however, 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 if there is the likelihood that you are going to be rescued in a shorter amount of time and mm-hmm. that he might survive, probably I would still try and rescue keep him, him. Keep him alive. And keep him alive. Okay. Well, there's no right and wrong answers. It's just more to get you to think and explore different ethical avenues. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say that's... That's the question, isn't it? It's whether or not you, you, you're balancing the probability of one thing over the other. Correct. With, ex- um, with extenuating factors. With extenuating factors, that's right. Okay. No, thank you very much. Uh, if I'm ever stuck down to mine with you, um, hopefully I'm not the person who's who's trapped or immobile, I should say. Uh, thank you very much. For that, that. You know, if they're immobile and depends what their injuries are, I try and find a very humane way. And, to and, the, fact, and the fact you're a nurse means my chances of survival uh, have greatly increased. I like that. That's true. This is uh, true. Question 15. Aside from 1984, 
Which futuristic movie scenario is the most likely to come true and why? Soylent Green. Oh, first time I've heard that one, yeah. Yeah, Soylent Green. I, look, I love Soylent Green. Okay, I but thought... what, why, why, why would you say that's got, that, that would come true over something like Terminator or I Am Legend or iRobot or Blade Runner? or? Look, well, I mean, I Am Legend, I'm sorry, but, yeah, <laughs> zombie apocalypse is pretty unlikely. And, hey, I'm in Tasmania. We already have yeah. that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I am robot. I, look, I it's a great movie. Obviously, the book, the story that it was based on was even better. Yep. Um, but also at the same time, I find the premise of the whole AI taking over the world to be pretty unlikely. Okay. Given um, that Amazon Soylent. and Google and all these yeah, big tech companies are exactly and, and, think, and plus Soil and Green is set in the next year as well. Exactly, it is. And and it's and it's basically talking about you know the worldwide pressure of too many people which mm -hmm. we're already starting to experience yep, yep. and environmental devastation which means that we have no food and they're always already circumstances which are starting to affect many parts of the world yep. Yep. um i personally have no ethical problem making protein out of people okay. um i think we already have the technology to grow uh and clone protein yeah, so yeah. probably the events portrayed in it are not as likely to occur yeah. but at the same time hey we've got this vast ready source of protein and if people want to sacrifice themselves to feed everyone else that's i don't very, have a problem with that that's very very altruistic of them absolutely okay and your timer is about to go off there we go. Excellent timing there, Clancy. Okay, uh, question 16. Now, th this is where we get to the religion questions, and I'm happy to relax the timer. Question 16. Sure. Within a 10-kilometre radius of your residence, how many places of worship are there? And describe Ooh. them. I actually don't know. Um, I don't really keep tabs on it. Uh, there is one church about 500 metres away. Mm -hmm. And... That's, That's the it. only one I can think of off the top really? of my head. Okay, so is Hobart not a particularly religious city? Um, or just you're not, not in that so part? much. Not so much anymore. There are there are a few um, little religious communities. We've got quite a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh Day Adventists. Yep. I'm pretty sure there's a couple of communes of the family. Really? Around. There's a couple of retreats in the country that um I've passed by quite frequently. Yep. Um, um the, the family. Um my understanding is that they were close to a cult, no? Yeah, pretty much. You're all the brethren. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you heard of those, yeah. So there's a few little outposts of their of them where they've built they've basically bought up land and mm -hmm. um have their little communes there i know there's one that's posing as a drug rehabilitation center oh okay but yeah well you see you say posing what is that what does that entail well they they offer they offer retreats for people who are trying to to uh detox off drugs and drug treatment mm -hmm. um which i'm very suspicious of okay. considering i used to work in drug treatment in sydney 
Okay, um, so religion-based drug treatments. Aren't basically, at- yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Which is interesting you say that because in Victoria we have had uh, the parliament here has just passed an anti-gay uh, conversion. I laws. did hear that, yes. Yep. And a, a lot of the religious groups are up in arms because they believe it uh, restricts their freedom, uh, freedom of religious practice. What about our freedom from religious practice? Yeah, that's a very interesting. Well, look, um, the, the government has passed the laws and uh, what's done has been done. Cool. Well, I'd, I'd like them to stop trying to convert me to Christianity. That would be great. Um, <laughs> so we have, we, well, we had an interesting thing. I don't know if you're aware of this during, during all the COVID stuff where yeah, yeah. Jehovah's weren't allowed to go and knock on doors anymore. I vaguely heard something about heard something about that on YouTube, but please, please, uh, please explain for those of us who may not know. Well, so they were told they weren't allowed to go and knock on people's doors anymore because they were freaked out that they might get COVID. Yeah, yeah. So instead, they started writing letters to people. Oh, yes, that's uh, I know I got a couple of those. Uh, I did, as well. yes. <laughs> so did I because it's actually part of their um, mission. Mission. Mission that they mm-hmm. have to attempt to convert people. Yeah. So um, I've got a sign on my door which basically says no no proselytizing or, or yeah. door sales. Please. I've got I've got the, I've got the same as well. And yeah, I've uh, I had in the last six months I've had a couple of letters. I've been tempted to write back to them just to say, hey, look, you know, I'm an atheist, uh, I'm an atheist uh, author and podcaster. <laughs> feel free to feel free to jump on. Okay. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> Let me interview you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, question seventeen. Why do you hold the religious position that you currently do? Well, firstly, explain your religious position and how you got there. Oh, okay. Well, this is pretty easy, actually. I was born an atheist and nothing, nothing that I've seen since then has actually convinced me that that's the wrong position to take. Okay. So Um, you, so you weren't, you weren't raised uh, by religious parents or you weren't like a teenage convert? No, my mum, my mum was a rampant atheist and my dad was an agnostic. Okay. Yeah. And um, I was basically, well, I mean, I was born an atheist anyway. Everybody is. Mm -hmm. And people start to lie to them. Um, so my my parents never lied to me, okay. and but they also never tried to um, stop me learning about religion either. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. my my house was always my mum always read a lot of philosophy and and ethics when I was growing up, and yeah. um, used to talk quite frankly to me about religion and what it was about. Mm-hmm. When I was about five years old, I had a bit of an epiphany when I was sitting on the outside dunny, Great staring place to get out epiphanies. at the stars, yep. mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and um, decided that the universe was simply too complex for one being to have uh, created it all. Okay. Which and is I actually, because that just... okay, well, that's like the antithesis of the creationist argument is that it's so complex that it could only be made by an intelligent, uh, sentient being. Absolutely. But up to that point, I'd, I'd observed that, that life is a very messy thing mm-hmm. and that usually the best accidents, the, well, the best things that happen were from accidents mm-hmm. and complexity usually came from chaos rather than from order. So I guess that's how I sort of learned to think about it. Okay. So so in your adult years, um, so when someone comes to proselytize to you, um, there's nothing that stirs up any emotions, any appeal to a creator, any appeal to some sort of cosmic or divine justice? No, not really. And I suppose part of it is because I have actually read widely and explored lots of different points of view about religion and religious thoughts from mm-hmm. different types of religions. Yep. 
And it all has always come down to a few principles for me. And the first one is it depends how you define God. Okay, yeah. And part of the problem is everyone defines God slightly differently. Mm-hmm. And really, even within religion, sometimes people define God slightly differently from other people. Okay. So yeah. first of all, how do you define your God? And yes. everyone has a different idea of what God is. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you take the commonly held principles of Western religions such as Christianity yeah, yeah. and even Judaism, then generally there's a few principles that they always go back to, which is, you know, God is everywhere, God God is eternal, God is omnipotent. Mm-hmm. God um, knows everything, is everywhere and can God, do anything. Yeah, exactly. The three uh, God is love, which is another one that calls okay. the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm like, well, okay, if God is all these things, then obviously why do we have suffering, why do we have, you know, children being raped. Why do mm-hmm. we have all the rest of it? But that's because but of a fallen world. That's because of the curse of sin. Well, I don't believe in sin. So the principle of sin is based on the concept of a God existing. If you mm-hmm. don't have God, you don't have sin. There's a very famous quote from somewhere who I can't remember who it was, and they mm-hmm. basically said that without, might have been the Pope, without, without sin, without God, there is no sin. Mm-hmm. Because God is the one that's defined what sin is. So if you don't have a God, you also don't have sin. Okay. So if I it... am without God and therefore I am without sin. Hey, that's one way of getting around the problem. Absolutely. So but the other so... thing is, yeah, yeah, the so other thing is, is if you if you define God as something that needs to be worshipped, yep. nothing about God that has been explained to me makes him worthy of worship. Okay, but is that because you are a, a, a sinner who has uh, closed your mind off to the possibility or to the to the righteousness that comes from the creator? Well, I don't believe in righteousness and I don't believe in a creator. So I can't say that I've closed my mind because nothing has actually been presented to me that would want, that A, would lead me to believe in such a being existing in the first place. Mm-hmm. And would want me to believe in such a being. Okay. Let alone worship such a being. Yeah, yeah. But the other the other point, of course, is you know, if God supposedly created the universe, then where did God come from? Which is then come which then comes down to the uncaused first cause argument. Absolutely. So and people will say, Oh, well, you know, the universe had to have been created. And I'm like, well, so did God. <laughs> and it's yeah. more likely that the universe has existed forever without any agent creating mm-hmm. it than than an intelligent being having come into being spontaneously. Yep, that's a that's a very well thought out answer. Thank you very much, Clancy. Um, I'm going to move on to question 18, which is what one religion, denomination, or religious doctrine makes you angry? <laughs> um, you, you can have more than one if you if you need, if you need time. I'll give you more than one. But yes, but na- name something about religion that gets you like really really worked up. Gee, okay. Um, well, I probably say Christianity primarily, but okay. like the most, whole the whole religion. Yeah. Really. Most 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 of them do it to me though. Um, yep. The fact the fact that um, 
not only have they written a bunch of, a bunch of stories about a man who probably didn't exist, mm-hmm. but they've then gone on to mistranslate and misinterpret the bunch of stories in the first place. Okay. So in that case, would, would I be correct in describing your position as an anti-theist? Yeah, no, I'm definitely an anti-theist. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a, I'm I'm what I'm what's called a very strong or yep. hard atheist, and yep. I'm an anti-theist. Mm-hmm. No, fair enough. That's a that's an interesting way of putting. It. Okay, so basically, the whole religion. What what about Islam? Does that get you get you worked up as well? Or is it just is it limited to Protestant Christianity? No, Islam does too. Judaism does too. So Zoroast- I mean, most, most of the monotheistic religions do. Okay, I'm not I'm not so hung up on some of the smaller religions like. Um, you know, Hindu, Sikhism, Zoroastrianism, yeah, Sikhism. Scientology. So, I mean, oh, Scientology! I'm sorry, but <laughs> I thought I'd throw that one in there because, yeah, no, not not many people consider consider that to be a religion. But then, hold on, they are. Oh, yeah, yeah. they it's are they are classified as a religion, and uh, they yeah. all they all start somewhere, don't they? I mean, they... Christianity was a cult to start off with. Yeah, well, that's a that's a one we're looking at. Okay, question nineteen. If there is one thing you could say to someone who doesn't share your religious beliefs, that had the magical ability to cut past barriers and convert them on the spot, what would it be, and why should it convert them? Um, so let's say a Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door, knock, 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 Clancy, I'm here to, uh, I'm here to share the good news. What's your, what's your instant comeback? Well, there's a really good quote I think that was attributed to. Um, now I can't remember. The comedian. Uh, George George Cullen. No, no, it wasn't George Cullen. The one with the cats. Oh, I can't remember his name now. <laughs> okay, the one with the cats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll figure think, it out in a minute. Okay, if, if you think about it, if you remember the name, you'll, uh, you'll yeah, yeah. surprise me. Yep. Um, and he, ba- he basically said, you know, you don't need God to have a conscience. You just... you. You know, you can actually, if you need, if you need God to tell you the right thing to do, mm-hmm. you need empathy. Ah, yes, yes, I've I've seen that quote. There. Yeah, it's I something yep. like that. Anyway, I've mis yeah. I've misquoted it, but it was along those lines. Yep. Um, and I don't do good things because God tells me to. I do God good things because it's the right thing to do. Okay. Okay, but then how, how does that change the Jehovah's Witness, uh, the witness's belief? Because 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 you're trying to convert them on the spot. What is it that you're? Well, what is it that should cut through that should convert them? Because being being good is a human trait, not something that God bestows on anybody. Okay, so is it then possible? Is it then possible? And I'm playing devil, devil's advocate here. Uh, is it possible to be good without God? Like it, it is, is, is the existence of God and being good for the sake of good mutually incompatible? Well, the existence of God is mutually incompatible with life, but I think that people so, are actually better without God. Okay, actually, I'll, I'll pause you there for a sec. So not even deism uh, f- accounts uh, figures into your equation? Sorry? Uh, deism as in the idea of, a, of an external God who doesn't interfere in the day-to-day lives of people? No. Okay. I see no need for one. Okay. Sorry, uh, continue your thought. Um. Well, ba- basically, I'm. I'm just. I'm just saying that I feel that people actually 
if you are relying on a God to tell you what to do, mm-hmm. then there's something wrong with your sense of right and wrong. But is, you know, isn't, so well, isn't I think that, most people are actually better without a God because they develop their own mm-hmm. their own set of um, principles. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Which is interesting because um, in is in you may hear this in some of the previous uh, previous episodes of Twenty Questions where um, people will say that atheists are good because of uh, because that Christianity has uh, influenced the culture that we grew up in or that we have this innate sense of goodness that God put in our hearts, what would be your response to that? I would say that uh, good people who do the good good things because it's the right thing to do are the mm-hmm. best. Yep. But there are a lot of good people out there who do it because they believe that God is telling them to do it. But I yep. think that they're probably already good. Okay. Um, and that's why they're using it as an excuse to be good. Mm-hmm. On the, on the balance of that, you also have a lot of evil people in the world yep. who use God as an excuse to do evil. Yep. So, 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 for think, those, so for those people who say that atheists are good, inherently good because they grew up, they grew up in, in a culture that has been soaked in, in, Christian, in Judeo-Christian values, is that something you would agree with? Definitely not. Okay. How, how, do, you explain, how do you explain all the people that come from other cultures and religions that are not Judeo-Christian who still do good things. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Buddhism. Principles yep. of Buddhism are about not doing any harm. Well, the principles of Buddhism are actually to deny your own your own pleasures to, to a point. It's a very, uh, from the outside, it looks like a very ascetic religion. Indeed. But the basis of that is to not injure any other life. Mm-hmm. And I think so, uh, J- uh, Jainism is very, is like Buddhism, but turned up to 11 as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So there's lots of there's lots of other cultures and religions where they practice an ethical framework mm-hmm. beliefs or philosophical oh, so, beliefs. So like Clancy, can I get repeat your sentence after ethical framework? Um, so they have different ethical frameworks which might be guided by their religious belief. Yep or the philosophical position, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, Taoism, for instance, yeah, yeah, where they don't actually need to believe in a supreme being or, uh, you know, an overarching guiding force, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they, they actually believe that those good deeds come from themselves. Okay. And actually, the, I'll make a comment. Um, the thing I'm getting from you is that you have actually looked into and studied and you're very cognizant of, of other religious positions. Uh, oh, very how, much, how, well, how, how or why did you, did you come to that stage? So I think it's fascinating to learn about why people believe what they believe, mm-hmm. you know, and, why, and what motivates people to do certain things and to believe in certain things okay. so so would it be fair to put your position as that religion is a very human or very natural constru- social construction then oh very much so i, I mean I, look i think that religion was initially created for people to try and explain the world around them because they had no other way to explain it mm-hmm. and part of that also involved an which is why of, gods are very anthropomorphic absolutely and it also includes an element of control because I think the people that sort of put forth these ideas found that other people listened to them when then they told them that 
you know, they believed that God was telling them that they should do certain things. And, of mm-hmm. course, then they realised that they could control other people through that. Okay. Which is interesting but, in, in that uh, religions, a lot of the world's religions were created in societies that didn't have police forces or judiciaries. Well, I think they created them as police forces and judiciaries. Okay. I mean, re- religions religions always been a way of social control, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I think that probably in the early stages of civilization, it was probably needed because you had sort of just diverse tribes of people who were competing for food and various other things. Mm -hmm. And religion was one of the ways that they were actually able to bring those diverse groups of people together to work together. Yep. Um, And that was initially, I think, probably how a lot of civilizations across the world did actually come into being was through that sharing of, you know, how did, how, why are we here? Mm-hmm. What are we meant to be doing? How can we keep doing it and have more children and feed them? Yep, grow um, more food. Um, and, yeah, this, and, this, and from my perspective, this is why you have uh, a lot of gods that represent agriculture, fertility, Very um, much so. war, uh, natural disasters, things like that. So with that, I'm going to move on to question 20, which is no matter how strongly you hold to them, what will be the one thing that would get you to change your religious position? Mm, there would be nothing. Really? There would be nothing. No, I've thought about this a lot, and I've been asked this question a lot too. Okay, all right. Um, there is no being, no matter how powerful, that I would ever regard as a god. Okay. So I, I, I don't actually care, if, you know, if, if some being came down and, you know, told me that they could squash me like a bug and, you know, I'm like, I'm sorry, but there is no being, no matter how powerful, that I would worship as a oh. god. Okay, so I suppose maybe then, because the way I see your position is that one, you don't believe in the existence of God, and two, you don't believe God to be worthy of worship. But then, that, let, so, so let's say a God did appear in front of you and said, Clancy, I, I am a God. Um, I can do, you know, magical things. And I'm at this, at this stage, I'm picturing, uh, picturing Maui from Moana <laughs> at this stage. And uh, yeah, so let's say, let's say Maui came and appeared to you with all these big muscles and that and say, hey, look, I'm a God. What would your position then be? Probably laugh at him and tell him to piss off. Okay. You can't tell the rock to piss off, man. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, but I mean, look, Stephen Fry had a good one to that. And he's like, I'm sorry, yep. if God exists, he's a bastard. <laughs> okay. Yes, I've, I've heard some of his uh, quite, uh, quite effective uh, arguments against uh, Protestant theism. Well, I, look, I, I just have. There is literally nothing that anyone could say that would convince me that there is a God for a start. Um, And even if a being existed, I would not believe that they were a God because by its definition, a God is deserving of worship. Okay. All right. So 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 nothing is deserving of worship in my book. Okay. So because in my to interject my personal opinion, I hold that you know the, a god could also could also be a um, a sentient being, but a, a neutral sentient being that just lays around in bed and does nothing. Ah, so not this, was, this is coming back to my point of how you define a god. Ah, uh-huh, yes, yep. So, so I mean, look, 
Any, so, any, so in in your hard anti-theist position, you then strictly take you take the strict position that a god is something that has that is anthropomorphic, has supernatural abilities, and demands to be worshipped. Is that pretty like, much okay? Yep. I mean, who who was it that said that any being sufficiently advanced enough would be worshipped as a god by a primitive society? Um, I don't know who, but I'm might have been with Star the, Trek. Yeah, possibly yes. I have a feeling it was Picard. So, yeah, so basically, you know, that, I mean, look at, look at the cargo cults. Mm-hmm. You know, they basically worshipped, you know, people who brought them food and various oh, things because actually, they were... uh, uh, There is actually a Melanesian cult that um, worships Prince Philip. Yes, that's what I was thinking of. They were on um, that weird little island out in the Correct. South Pacific somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that was very interesting. Well, look, uh, Clancy, I'm going to stop 20 questions. So thank you for participating. But I would like to probe your beliefs a little bit more. And there was something that you said that uh, Jesus probably didn't exist. Could I get you to expand your thoughts on that? Well, I actually don't think there's a great deal of evidence to support the theory that there was such a a person called Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, If there was, they certainly didn't do any of the the, the things that were attributed to them. Okay, so, so not even a mundane person that got killed in a rebellion. But then, well, look, uh, it's, it's, it's a possibility that there was a man that some of the things were based on. Yeah, yeah. It's also possible that there was more than one man mm-hmm. that some of the things were based on. Okay. And what makes you, what makes you uh, allow that as a possibility? Because I just don't believe that there's enough, enough evidence to actually say that there was one man that did all these things that were attributed to him. I mean, the mm-hmm. mere fact that the Bible, most of the books of the Bible, were written many, many years after the events that they were supposedly talking about. Mm-hmm. Yep. A lot of the events that are portrayed in the Bible have been directly contradicted in other sources like the Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there was lots of evidence of, of the time that supposedly Jesus was around yeah, yeah, yeah. where there's nothing recorded at all by, you know, contemporary com- Contemporary uh, scholars and scribes. Exactly. And surely something like that would have been recorded somewhere by another source. Mm-hmm. Um, so my inclination is that the whole thing was likely made up. There mm-hmm. may have been a couple of seeds of, you know, someone who preached around that time that was possibly, you know, well, it is interesting that Josephus, uh, um, who you may well be familiar with, who wrote a very thorough uh, history of the Jews up until the end of the first century, uh, basically basically up until the first um, uh, Roman-Jewish war. Uh, he and wrote, never mentioned him. No, one never mentioned him, but he did mention numerous uh, itinerant preachers who were expecting... Um, who were expecting the Messiah to return and to take uh, people across to Jordan and to uh, basically give them their country back. That's right. So you think it's a possibility that one of those became Jesus or that Jesus was based off of those kind of uh, that, itinerant that, preacher that legends? That Jesus was based off of them or that they were cast into the role. You know? <laughs> that's, I mean, a, that's, a good, that's a good way to put cast, cast into the And playing Jesus is... Yeah, someone, yeah, someone, somebody plays Jesus. That's it, and 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 he definitely was not the the man that has been portrayed to us two thousand years later. I mean, especially not brown. Yeah, I was about I was about to say because I uh, in my household I don't I don't know how, but there were Jehovah's Witness uh, Jehovah's Witnesses books uh, in my in my cupboard, and they always portrayed Jesus as the you know 
blue-eyed, uh, sandy-haired, chiseled-jawed, you know, really good-looking, you know, supermodel Jesus with a toga uh, mm-hmm. vi- visiting the, the 1950s uh, nuclear family. Exactly. Very unlikely. Very unlikely, but it is It's it is not impossible. But... <laughs> but, I mean, look, there's, there's, there's a lot of the history of that time that we have from other sources that is mm-hmm. directly contradicted by the Bible. Yep. You know, um, archaeological evidence, you know, historical written evidence from, from various societies around that time which directly contradict no, how the so, 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 when a, so when an excitable theist says, well, look, um, Josephus wrote about Jesus, what would be your direct response to that? Which one? Very good. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's the same question. It's like, as far as I'm concerned, the Bible is a work of historical fiction. Mm-hmm. And you, you read enough historical fiction, there's always got to be some elements of the history in it. Yeah, you know, so like, if you look at all right, good a good a good modern example of historical fiction is the Outlander books. I don't know if you've read Unfor- them. Unfor- unfortunately, no. Um, I was actually going to say, in terms of historical fiction, uh, Gone with the Wind. Well, yeah, exactly. So there's always going to be elements that are actually drawn from history, from real history, and then you weave a story in it that didn't actually happen. But if there's enough elements of real history in it, then people might believe it. Mm-hmm. Especially if you then take your argument for authority and say, well, you know, the king, the pope, and all these people say it's true, and so you must believe it's true too. Mm-hmm. Um, and just on Gone with the Wind, uh, the reason that comes to mind was because uh, one of the one of the previous episodes, uh, which is I think titled "The Evidence for Jesus is Gone is Gone with the Wind." is that uh, Gone with the Wind goes to great details to paint a very uh, somewhat accurate historical picture of, uh, of the Deep South in the, in the Civil War times. Now, does that give us reason to believe Scarlett O'Hara was a real person? Exactly. Now, if, so it's, if, if your standard of evidence is that the book gets some historical details correct, then yeah. you are then compelled to believe, in my opinion, that Scarlett O'Hara was indeed a real person. Yes, but where is the actual truth of that? Well, that's the thing. The fact it, that it, it she's get... not mentioned in any of the historical books of the period <laughs> might suggest that possibly she's not. Okay, so then let's say uh, a a hypothetical archaeological society in five hundred years goes into a library and sees uh, sees a copy of Gone with the Wind uh, translated from English into whatever the new uh, the new popular language is, and they go, "Well, hold on, we know where um, Atlanta was. We know that there was a civil war. We know that you know all these presidents and military figures existed." what would then stop you from believing that Scarlett O'Hara is a real person? Well, if you've got lots of evidence for these other historical fiction, historical uh, historical characters, (laughs) rather, that are supported by more than one source, but Mm -hmm. you've only had one source for this particular character, wouldn't you start to doubt that? So basically you're saying it comes down to historical method. It it comes down to historical method. But, Mm -hmm. of course, the other very obvious marker of it is that all the stuff that said to he said to have done mm-hmm. is impossible so <laughs> i mean that 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 basically uh invalidates the whole story for me right off the bat okay you know? so-, so even if there was a man called jesus who was mm-hmm. proven to have existed at the time he definitely didn't do any of the things that he was said to have done 
very interesting. Wasn't question. born of a virgin for a start. No, that's uh, and that's interesting that um that doctrine gets um that that point gets brought up because um on my Twitter uh, I have some uh, friends some Jewish friends who studied the, the who, who are very familiar with the with the Jewish scriptures. And mm-hmm. so, so whenever an excitable uh, Protestant American Christian goes, he was born of a virgin, then my Jewish friends come up and say, no, you've re- you're reading the mistranslation of that. The Aramaic means that it was a young woman, <laughs> woman. who was unmarried. Yeah. Well, exactly. actually, well, well, actually, just on that, I uh, got into a bit, of a bit of a debate once with a, I think he was a Methodist. Uh, he, was, he, was very, he was very excitable, I'll put it like that. And he was saying that the whole passage given from Isaiah to King Ahaz at the time was actually meant to strengthen King Ahaz's faith for something that would happen in 700 years' time. Mm. So, of course, the prophecy still holds true, even though the king isn't going to see, see it cut if it was about Jesus. It wasn't going to happen for 700 years' time. And, I, and so I said to him, well, mate, what's the point of being told that in 700 years' time there's a kid going to be born? And his answer was, it was supposed to make, supposed to give King Ahaz confidence that God would come through in, in whatever situation. And I said, well, mate, no, it's, um, you can't really do that. You're kind of decontextualizing the verse to make it fit your presupposed, presupposed theology. That's it. And, and look, that's what, that's what religion interpretation does. You know, I mean, it's, it's very easy to, um, to read a prophecy out of a vague, idea Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. to or to interpret words you know in your own way and then try and reinterpret those to other people who can't read the original words so it's basically changing the evidence to fit your mind rather than your mind to fit the evidence well pretty pretty much and i mean if you look at the history of the bible and how they chose the books that they included Uh, in the bible yep and then translated them from the original to Greek and then from Greek into whatever. Yeah, yeah. There were so many, you know, contextual errors of how it was translated and what mm-hmm. languages they used and <laughs> Yeah. I mean seriously. <laughs> how no, no, anyone no. believes it at all is beyond me. Well, this is what um this is and I would say that there's a very sim- very similar argument to anti-vaxxers, flat earthers, uh, six-day mm-hmm. creationists. Um, in that, you know, for some for people like us, um, and I would say I'm not quite as anti-theistic as you are. I definitely don't believe in a, in in a god. And I think for me, it's more what is a god is is the biggest question is the biggest question for me. But um, oh, well, that's what, actually an easy question for me. Yeah. Yeah. What is a god? God is a made-up concept. Simple mm-hmm. as that. Well, I suppose um, like when I when someone says, you know, well, look, uh, I, I thank God for doing this for me, or, or whatever, I will then go, well, hold on, what is what is a god, and what does a god do? If you want to convince, if you want to convince me of your position, you're going to have to tell me from the start because you, you may as well. And I, I use this made-up word, uh, the the, the Nurgle Fergalberg. And things it's like if you say God you know, did this in your life, or say, well, look, the Nurgle Fergalberg also did this as well, and you go, well, what's a Fergal Nurgleberg? And I say, well, exactly, what is a God? What is a God? Look, and, the, and this is the thing I think there is a deep desire amongst a lot of people that they need to believe in something that is guiding their life. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine the other day who confessed to me that she has a faith now. Okay, yeah. That she has for a long time. Um, she doesn't know if it's in a God, but 
she feels comfort there's in that something. place. Yeah. yeah, she feels there's something. Now, when I first started nursing very many years ago and um, I was, we were learning about holistic care, mm-hmm. one of the principles that's drummed into us is that we have to look after the whole person. So that's emotional, physical and spiritual. Mm-hmm. And as a young atheist, I was very <laughs> resistant to this idea and basically yeah. called bullshit. But, of course, I still have to respect my patients and their beliefs and that includes their desire for a spiritual life Mm -hmm. um but i came across a book that explained it quite well to me and rather than spirituality necessarily being a religious uh belief Mm -hmm. it basically defines spirituality as where you feel that you fit in the universe and how you connect to the rest of the universe that's an interesting way of looking at it. Now, for me, I look out at the universe and go, my God, this, where we, is God? We, we're alone. Right? Yeah, yeah. This place is amazing, but it doesn't need a God. It's wondrous by itself mm-hmm. and, and incredible. And I just need the science to understand it. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people look out at the universe and go, well, the only way I can explain this is with a God. And they feel that they're connected to the rest of the universe through that belief in a God, whereas I just feel like I'm part of the universe. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very, so that's very, my spirituality. Okay, that's very, very interesting way of looking at it. Well, Clancy, I appreciate, I appreciate you giving me the last hour and a half of your time. And for that, I'm going to give you the last 30 seconds. Go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now I don't know what to say. Go on. Um, <laughs> Um, well, look, I, I guess too that part of part of my issue with religion is is the desire to try and control other people, mm-hmm. and I can't control other people. People need to learn how to control themselves, um, and until that happens, we're unfortunately always going to have religion with us. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, Clancy, thank you for your time. You look after yourself, and I'm sure I'll see you online around the traps um, in the in the near future. Definitely, I'm going to have to follow your Twitter. Uh, t- uh, tf. Uh, so my Twitter is uh, at tfa dad, and the podcast is at tfad pod. All right, cool. I'm on Twitter as Groovy Luscious. That's my burlesque name. Oh, that's. Uh... So if you want to look up my burlesque, you're very welcome to. I also do stand up comedy, by the way. Okay, would you like to plug that? <laughs> Oh, sure. Where, where, where are you performing? Uh, do you have any DVDs for sale? Any? Uh, not yet. It's it's still early days, but um, I should be performing at the 11th Order uh, Brewery in New Norfolk, hopefully in a couple of weeks. Oh. Um, and I'm also going to be performing at The Apprentice, which is a competition for new burlesque artists in Launceston on June the 5th. I wish you the very best of luck with that. Thank you. It was nice to talk to you, Damien. Likewise. Um, so with that, Clancy Amos McGuinness, thank you for playing 20 Questions. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a good week. Me too. Bye-bye. Bye. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe and rate it on whatever platform you find it on and share it on your social media. Continue the discussion on the discussion post as well as check out more thought-provoking content over at 
www.tallfriendlyatheistdad.com. If you wish to be a guest, would like me as a guest on your podcast or platform, or even to be a sponsor, head over to the Twitter account for this podcast, at TFADpod. But the best way to support this podcast is to head over to the iTunes bookstore or Google Play and purchase your copy of The Best Religion for the Task at Hand, a response to creationism and why humanism is morally superior to the Bible. You'll be engaged by it. Thank you for listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Have a great day. Have a great week. See you next time.